This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to the program. Hi, Barbara. (laughs) What do you say? (laughs) I love this. This is fantastic. Barbara is so deep in thought. She's like, I'm just like, you know, I'm, my mind is just like I'm working on thoughts. That, you know, these aren't random neurons firing. These are very deep thoughts. So your point is we're back on air. Huh? Yes, that is my point. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited about this yeah, next guest. Totally, totally. I forgot that we were on air. But I'm very happy you reminded me. <laughs> so... I was supposed to say welcome back. Well, you did. I did. So that's good. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm professor of marketing here at Wharton. And the person who introduced the show. Yes, I'm America Sharita. I actually am watching our audio (laughs) engineer. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's, it, well, anyway, it's this is Marketing Matters on Sirius XM Business Radio Channel 111. Mm-hmm. And the reason I was so engrossed yes. in thought yeah. is because our next guest is James Thompson, who's the partner and management consultant uh, by Box Experts. And he's the former head of Amazon Services, and he's the author of The Amazon Marketplace Dilemma. Mm-hmm. And I have just finished a book where I talk a lot about the Amazon effect and how to compete effectively against Amazon. Mm. And and I get people very interested in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as soon as I get people interested in the book, the next question is, well, if I'm a small business, how can I work with the Amazon platform when the Amazon is so strong Mm. and I'm afraid of Amazon as a result (laughs) of your book? Mm -hmm. And the answer is... Talk to our next guest, nice. James Thompson. So, mm-hmm. hello, James. We are so happy you're here. Thanks for having me back, Barbara and America. Delighted to be back. Awesome. And your position really is that using your experience, or tell me if this is right, or put it in your own words, that you've worked at Amazon, you know how Amazon works, and you know you have to be aware, wary of Amazon, but a lot of small businesses can't live without Amazon. Is that part of what your thesis is? I would use the word that we've heard before uh, in terms of frenemy. Yeah. Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing place. You've got a couple hundred million customers shopping on the site, mm. but you've also wow. got uh, a retailer. Amazon is the retailer is also a company that holds all the data. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, if you hold all the data and you know how to communicate one-to-one to each one of your customers, uh, that's a pretty powerful effect that most retailers don't know how to counter. So You know, one of the things, when we talked last time, I was in the middle of writing this book, and um, you, right when, I believe it was right when it happened we were talking to you, and you were the one who explained it, and I did put this in my book, but I should credit you because it was your analysis. It was the time when Nike capitulated and decided mm-hmm. to sell on Amazon. Do you want to go mm-hmm. over um, y- your explanation again as to what, Nike has been fighting Amazon for 20 years mm. um, and didn't want to sell on Amazon because they were afraid of losing their data and losing their connection with their, and it's a very, as America's knows and has other issues with Nike right now, yes, but still, I do. <laughs> I do. it's a very powerful brand. Right. Why did Nike decide to go and sell on Amazon? Well, I can't get into their heads as to exactly why they privately Your analysis. Mm-hmm. But I would look at it this way. You've got basically every brand is on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. Nike, Nike wasn't there in a systematic way. So let's start with just market share. If if all the other brands are there, they're getting more than their fair share of attention from Amazon customers who are shopping for unbranded, generic key terms like men's, men's running shoes. Mm. Well, if Nike doesn't show up, mm-hmm. then 
Reebok's getting more share than they would otherwise get. Mm -hmm. I understand why Nike wasn't there for the longest time. Okay. Amazon does not offer the same kind of branding experience that, that Nike might have with its own website or its in-store experience that it can, can more actively control. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it comes down to dollars. And <laughs> if the dollars are not happening and mm -hmm. your competitors are growing faster than you, at some point that starts to hurt. Mm -hmm. The other thing that hurt Nike a lot with Amazon is you've got a huge problem with unauthorized sellers selling mm -hmm. Nike problem, product. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, a, it's a problem for Nike. It's not really a problem for Amazon. At the end of the day, Amazon has the products on its site. It's being sold by who knows who, but nonetheless, the products are there. Customers can find them. And so if I'm Nike and I'm trying to control my brand, turns out somebody else is managing my brand and it's 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 unauthorized sellers it's sellers i've never heard of who somehow got my product and are creating product listings taking photos of my product and putting it up on the site and that inconsistent branding experience that's got to hurt nike's overall branding mm -hmm. all that money they spend on basically being a branding company mm -hmm. well someone else is controlling that branding experience on amazon and not just so, branding pricing also right yeah, if you don't control distribution, you don't control pricing. And Nike doesn't really control distribution on Amazon, so you end up with literally five, six hundred different companies selling the product. Mm. And again, who knows where they got the product? Mm -hmm. It could literally be an individual retail store where product is being moved off the brick-and-mortar shelf and being sold, uh, sold online. It could be product returns. I mean, it could be coming oh. from all sorts of places, but uh -huh. at the end of the day, if I can get product, Amazon's an open marketplace. I can field those products on Amazon, and I can start selling it, and I can start deciding how Nike's brand is going to be represented because I'm a seller, and Amazon rewards the seller with the opportunity to control the branding, even if they're not the brand. Interesting. James, give us a, a sense of of that conversation. So uh, it, it, to me, it's fascinating that you're describing a situation in terms of what I'm hearing where it's like, okay, we basically have to come to this party uh, or we're going to be at a disadvantage. We're going to be at a deficit, right? And so so, t so how does that – so when you start negotiating from that perspective to actually come on the site, what does that – what's the temperature of that conversation? Is, does, does, does Amazon, like, take advantage of – And is, also, let me just modify your question a little. We're going to go to small business, but there is a difference if you're Nike and if you're yes, a small business, right? Yes, right? yes. But it, it sounds like, to your point, James, like even I mean, they they've just basically got Nike. It's like you got to do this. So what what how how does that how does that uh, negotiation happen to cut a deal? Is are they they Nike significantly disadvantaged or how how does this work? What do you think about that? So to Barbara's point, Nike is an unusually strategic brand for Amazon. Amazon doesn't negotiate with ninety nine point nine percent of brands. If you're a brand and you want to sell on Amazon, well, then start selling on Amazon. And, and by the way, here are the terms. <laughs> if, if you're Nike, then it's hard for Amazon to say, hey, we sell all the major men and women's shoe brands, oh, except Nike. Well, if, if I mean, Amazon's objective is to make sure that they can keep customers coming back mm. to Amazon to be able to find all the major brands. I see. If you can't find all the major brands... That means there's an opportunity for those customers to go somewhere else. Gotcha. So it's important. It's important for Amazon to be able to have a curated catalog of top brands. And so, most of the top brands don't want to sell on Amazon. Mm, so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it, it, it well, sounds like it's a gravitational well, effect, though. Well, I mean, though. the like luxury, once, yeah. Once one or two are on, and the third, and the fourth. Well, the luxury brands are still resisting. Oh, they are. Okay. Okay. Interesting. 
Yeah, but if we talk about luxury brands, the reality is Amazon has the data, <laughs> the customer search data, the customer purchase data. They can go and create their own private label brands, Ooh. and they can merchandise those products, and they can put them in front of the very same customers that searched for luxury brands right, right. But, oh, but didn't find them. Yes, well, they can. What an and amazing, that's, and amazing way for, the, for, for Amazon to basically make those luxury brands irrelevant because Amazon is in a position that they could mm. essentially say, uh, unless you are so incredibly brand loyal to a luxury brand, mm-hmm. I can show you an alternative right. just as good and is backed by Amazon's. But, but, and that's his famous quote, which we couldn't mm-hmm. actually find written, is your margin is my opportunity. Um, but there is intense brand loyalty for some luxury brands that they can resist. And mm-hmm. that's why I thought the fact that Nike went on, and Nike might have been one of those brands, mm-hmm. and the fact that they capitulated suggests how powerful Amazon is, Mm -hmm. which I think is what James is saying, that Mm -hmm. in the end, that's really a powerful draw. Mm -hmm. So there's one thing with the brands like the luxury brands or Nike or something like this, and this is to America's Mm -hmm. point, but if now you're talking about a small company or a third-party seller, all those kind of things, most of those people nowadays have to deal with Amazon, right? Well, I would would step back for a second and say, Every brand needs to have an Amazon strategy, whether that's a a branding strategy, a sales strategy, an advertising strategy. You need to have a strategy. We we talk about Amazon as a sales platform, but it's actually an incredibly critical branding platform and an incredibly important advertising Mm. platform. And Mm so you may choose not to sell on Amazon, Mm. but make sure you're effectively branding, meaning Hmm. put put your catalog content into the Amazon catalog so that if somebody unauthorized comes along and decides to start selling your product, mm-hmm. at least the content on your listings is going to be accurate, correct, and consistent with oh, everything wow. you do and every other channel. Oh, so how do you do that? So like you, so what you're talking about now is like you, like you said, even with Nike, you own the real mm-hmm. brand, but third-party sellers can sell unauthorized versions of it. So even if you're not officially on the platform, you could put brand material on Amazon's um, page? If I was Nike, or if you want to use a more extreme example, if I'm Birkenstock, which has walked away from Amazon. Right, right. They've made public statements against them. First thing I would do is let's separate the branding question from the distribution and pricing question. The branding question, you know, what is a brand? It's it's an opportunity to collect a premium because you've invested Mm -hmm. in some sort of brand equity. Mm -hmm. Right. If you you don't protect that brand equity... Mm then it disappears. And on Amazon, it's easy for that brand equity to disappear if mm-hmm. you don't control it. So to your question, at a very tactical level, what does a brand do? Right. It's very simple. You can, you can basically set up a shell account, like a third-party seller account. You don't sell anything in that account, but you go into Amazon and you load your whole catalog into the catalog, oh, into the master catalog for Amazon. Uh-huh. So, so you, you, could, you could say, I have 100 SKUs. Here's all the titles and bullet points and product descriptions and images. Okay. It's in the catalog. Amazon now has it in the master catalog. If some other seller comes along and says, okay, I've got this UPC for this brand. I want to sell my product on Amazon. The catalog information is already there. And so that new seller, as long as they're using the correct UPC, they're not going to be able to load their own content because mm-hmm. the brand loaded its content. And Amazon does, in fact, reward brands for loading content. If you are an authorized, if, sorry, if you're a U.S. registered trademark brand, mm-hmm. you can load content and get what's called content authority, meaning hmm. your content will show up and everybody else's won't. Oh. So at an absolute minimum, 
if I'm spending money as a brand building messaging that I'm putting in every online and offline channel, why am I not doing that also for Amazon? Mm. So let me Make ask sure you a devil's advocate mm. question here. You're sure. loading all that stuff up to evil Amazon. Are they using, can they use that information, or is there anything you're giving away of your mm. trademark or differential mm. advantage by loading that content onto Amazon's mm. deck? Mm-hmm. Barbara, I, I'm not an attorney. I, talk about, <laughs> I love statements talk, that start off, I'm not an attorney. <laughs> let, let's talk about this practically. Uh-huh. If I'm if I'm some no-name reseller, I can come along and I can set up that Nike product listing myself, mm-hmm. and I can use whatever bogus, incomplete, incorrect information I choose to use to represent the brand, to represent the SKUs that I have available. Mm-hmm. And so, if I've got the power to load low-quality content, I see. W- wouldn't it be better to say right. we want to squash the ability of people to do that and instead, right. if they Blocking choose to list something, mm-hmm. at least it's high-quality content? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Again, no, I see your separ- point. separating branding from distribution. Very different issues. Right. I see so, your point, but it just feels like you're giving more ammunition to – like, do you? so do you know, has, like, mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton and Hermes done this? I highly doubt it. <laughs> and why, then? I highly – well – some of these higher-end brands may not have the distribution control problems that many other brands like Nike has. If I'm Louis Vuitton, and, and let's, let's separate counterfeit Louis Vuitton from regular Louis Vuitton. Well, let, let's say that I'm a luxury brand, and I do, in fact, have decent control of my, of my products. If it's not a matter of 100 different people can show up with my product and try to list it on Amazon, mm-hmm. then I don't have quite the same potential risk that someone can bastardize my brand. Mm. If I have a situation where the product is readily available and anybody can get it, like any Nike shoe in any running shoe <laughs> store or any gr- any department mm, store, I see, I see. all of a sudden anybody can walk in and get that product and anybody can turn around and put it on it. Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are talking to James Thompson, who is partner management consultant, buy box experts, and former head of Amazon services. Knows everything about Amazon, that giant beast that you're probably a little bit afraid of, but you shouldn't be because uh, James is giving us advice on how to make Amazon a part of your strategy. This is small business day or week, right, Barbara? Yes. And so if you're a small business out there trying to think about how to you know, figure out your Amazon strategy, please feel free to give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So James, you started out with the first rule, separate branding and distribution. Do you have a list of rules or how how do you what's your advice? Let's continue because this is, <laughs> yeah, I like it on the tactical level. Yeah, James, yeah. you should you should see like we are feverishly taking notes here in the <laughs> right. studio. It's like people this is ask crazy. all the time, how yes. can you how can you have an Amazon strategy? Yeah. So the first thing is regardless of whether you're gonna sell, protect your brand. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Hermes and then maybe that's another story. Mm-hmm. For most small businesses, and by small businesses, I'm talking specifically brands, not resellers, but Mm -hmm. brands. Mm -hmm. If you're a brand, the reality is 99% of brands will never have 100% control of their distribution, which means somebody can get their hands on at least enough units that they may divert a few of those units to Amazon, and they may choose to start creating content against your brand. And that's not necessarily a good thing because it turns out – Brands are the only ones that care as much about the brand as the brand. So, um, yeah, so, so, so to your question, point one, 
make sure you control your branding. And, and by the way, this is not just an Amazon marketplace issue. This is an issue with, with any marketplace, domestically or international, that gives brands some type of content protection. And most marketplaces are starting to provide tools to brands to do this. So if your brand is popular or you plan to make it popular, you know, somebody somewhere is going to get their hands on product and try to sell it on some marketplace. So it's worth investigating what are you doing as a brand to make sure that you're proactively loading that content so that you don't end up with disparate messages being sent out. I, I want to give you a, a little factoid that's kind of ridiculous, but nonetheless a, a reality with brands today in the United States. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you do an unbranded generic search for a term, so unbranded meaning there's no brand, and generic search like men's shoes, mm -hmm. there's an unbranded generic search term. If, if you do an unbranded generic search on Google for huge numbers of these terms, the number one or number two SEO and pay-per-click results I know what it's going to be. Is an Amazon, Amazon. Right. Oh, And, and wow. for smaller brands, for smaller brands that haven't already built up significant traffic to their own websites, mm -hmm. guess what? The Amazon product listing is going to show up higher on Google than the brand's own website. And gotcha. then they're going to be directed to Amazon, and then they're in Amazon's land. Wow. And if they see poor quality content on the Amazon listing, that's your brand. then what exactly is your brand? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, you wow. made your point. <laughs> <laughs> Bar Barbara is sufficiently convinced. Yeah, yeah I knew that. That's I knew amazing. that answer. I didn't know that, yeah. but you know, I can see yeah. how you're connecting it to why you need to load legitimate brand content on Amazon, even if you don't sell uh -huh. on Amazon. Right now, let's just say you do sell on Amazon because a lot of small merchants they don't really they they're attracted to the customer base that Amazon can offer, and Amazon can definitely help small brands and small businesses build their business. Right. If they have something worth selling and they're willing to help drive traffic to those listings, absolutely. So, um, so this, then what's Amazon the strategy? Is, Amazon is not a place where if you build it, they will come. Mm. You have four, 400 million listings in the Amazon catalog. Mm. When a brand comes along with a 400 millionth and first product, <laughs> no, nobody cares. Okay, okay. And, and so the reality is, huh. what is the brand prepared to do to mm -hmm. drive traffic to its listings? Mm -hmm. So is the brand going to spend money on advertising? Is the brand going to do advertising outside of Amazon to drive traffic to those listings? Is the brand going to do email? W what's happening to get people to pay attention? Are they going to do some big PR mm. campaign that's mm -hmm. going to get people saying, hey, I'm on Oprah and everybody wants to buy my product? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a little bit of an outdated example. <laughs> no, the point is well taken. Yeah. Yes. So you may have the single greatest mousetrap in the world, but until people know that it's there and they pay attention to it, um, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There are literally there's a whole there's a whole class of brands that only exist on Amazon. Mm. We call these private label brands, and they exist only on Amazon. And, and they are guys and gals who have figured out, you know what? If I go and I get a manufacturer and I get a registered trademark and I put it on my product, and I learn how to play the Amazon SEO game, mm. I learn how to play the advertising game. I can actually do really well, and I can I can take on major major national and international brands. Mm. So what, one of the things that I run into all too often is huge, huge household brands selling on Amazon that have no idea that their market share on Amazon is nowhere near what it is in every other channel. And that's because all these private label brands have figured out how to play the game better on Amazon oh. than, than the national brands, the brands that have hundreds of millions of dollars of advertising budgets, but they don't, they don't do the right things 
to build their listings properly, to protect their listings, to make sure the advertising is, is being spent efficiently. Whereas some guy or gal who's spending, you know, $100,000 a year on advertising trying to sell a million dollars a product, they may have better conversion, they may have better click-through rates than anybody uh, from any of these big brands. Th- this is a very unusual dynamic, and, and it's essentially death by a thousand cuts mm-hmm. with all these private label brands all going up against the national brands. And they're so, mostly competing on price, right? Um, not always on price, because again, you're, you're, it's your brand versus my brand. We're not, we're not trying to sell the same brand. I, I have to be at least in the ballpark of a national brand's price. But if I know how to make sure that my products surface much more often on Amazon in the search results and they convert better than the national brands, you know, top of funnel down to bottom of funnel, if I do a better job on Amazon than a national brand, I may end up with far more than my fair share of attention because I know how to play the Amazon game. And so that's, that's really the second big issue for small brands today on Amazon is learn how to play the Amazon game. The Amazon game is one of you've got to have properly optimized listings. You've got to have inventory and stock all the time. You've got to have advertising that's helping you uh, to get more eyeballs than you would otherwise get organically. And then finally, and and kind of the ugliest one of all, you have to learn how to say no. And, And what I mean by that is as a small brand, you have to control your distribution. You can't let anybody that comes along and says, here's a purchase order, will you fill it? Don't ask me where I'm gonna sell this product guess what? A bunch of it's going to show up on Amazon. You're going to have five people selling your brand. Mm. They're all beating each other up on price. Brand equity just disappeared because your price got slashed by 30% while these different resellers try to make a nickel selling your product. Mm. So you have, you have to learn how to say no and validate that any of these retailers uh, are in fact selling it where they say they're going to sell it and not all trying to beat each other up on Amazon and, and fight on price. Yeah, so, but sometimes you can't control those resellers, right? So if you're a brand that's trying to grow and trying to build a real business that one day you can sell, part of your line item expenses is going to have to be legal expenses. You're going to have to invest okay, so in an online reseller one. policy. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to have to invest in something beyond just a map policy that, quite frankly, is quickly irrelevant because most of your sellers on Amazon are going to be unauthorized. They're not going to be bound by whatever map policy you put in place. So you've got to build a proper trademark. You've got to enforce mm-hmm. it effectively. And if you if you enforce your trademark effectively, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but I work with lawyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, if you have an online reseller policy and it's got what we call anti-diversion language, language that stipulates you can't resell to somebody else who in turn would sell online, but if you've got that kind of language in place and you spend money enforcing this online reseller policy, you're in a position where you actually have legal claims against unauthorized sellers. That's completely different than wishing and hoping that all of your authorized sellers don't disguise their identity and set up Amazon seller accounts. You have to be proactive in protecting your brand. You have to be proactive in going after unauthorized sellers and being able to circumvent first sale doctrine which is the legal precedent that gives anybody the right to resell product without permission from the brand. I, I'm getting into some, some heady stuff here, but, but the reality is, as a brand, um, a lot of them don't understand how sophisticated they need to be in order to survive in a marketplace like Amazon that is completely open to anyone showing up 
with SKUs that were sourced from who knows where. James, with those words, you know, buyer beware, third-party seller beware, yes. brand beware. Thank you so much for coming on our show tonight. It was really important to learn about um, Amazon. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.